we give Jesus a shout of praise in this place? I mean, can somebody make a joyful noise under God? Man, I sense the presence of heaven. Just lift your hands all across the house. Just lift your hands to the God of heaven all over this place. Father, I thank you right now for your power, your anointing. Let the, let the supernatural power of heaven touch this house. Lord, let not one person leave this place the way they came. Let the sick be healed. Let the broken be put back together. Father, let the, let the fire of the Holy Ghost fill this place. Lord, I thank you that this is a church that's shaking a city. And God, would you open heaven over Vacaville tonight? Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, we know that it is not by might. We know that it is not by power. But Father, we know that it's by the Holy Ghost. And Father, we thank you that you're doing something in this place. And Lord, let faith begin to rise. Let, 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 let this supernatural thing called faith just begin to rise in this place. And Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this place by the Spirit of God. In the name of Jesus. And everyone said together, Amen. Give the Lord one more hand. You may be seated. Man, I feel like something good's going to happen in the house. Sunday night church, isn't it the best? Uh, anyway. 1 John, 2nd chapter and the 27th verse. 1 John, 2nd chapter, 27th verse. And it says this, Beloved, no, it doesn't say that I'm reading the wrong one. Verse 27, but we can go with beloved, fantastic. So we're going to preach for, for about the next, I want, to, I want to do this quick. I've got a bit of information for you that I want you to write down, but I want to teach just for about 25 minutes on the anointing. And uh, the anointing is one of these words that we hear in, 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 the, in church, man, there's an anointing here. Or we hear, man, that person has a great anointing upon their life. I feel the anointing. Or we're going to anoint somebody with oil. We're going to, I mean, so we use this word in so many different spots and it fits, but sometimes it's a word that we use that we don't. We don't fully understand. And, and so maybe... Maybe, just maybe. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> Look, if we could just stick with amens, that would be great. That would be good. But just keep them coming from here. And everyone said, Amen. thank you, thank you. I don't know how this is going to happen tonight. Let, let's just stay here. I want to talk tonight about the anointing. <laughs> 1 John 2.27. Are you ready for the word? It says this, it says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. Somebody say the anointing abides in me. Some people say is the anointing, we feel the anointing or we move in the anointing or this, this person's anointed or we anoint with oil. What, is, what does anointing mean? It means all of those things. The anointing is the equipment that God gives us to do the things God needs us to do. It's a spiritual equipment from heaven. The anointing of God gets on you, empowers you to do the things that Jesus did. The anointing abides in you. You don't have to pray and say, God, I need more anointing. You got everything you need already on the inside of you. But the, here's the deal with the anointing. The Bible says, Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, you know what? You need to stir up the gift that's in you. 
which you receive through the laying on of my hands. In other words, the anointing's in you. You've just got to stir that anointing on the inside of you. That's why when you come to church tonight, the anointing in me, I feel stirred that God's going to do something good. In just a few minutes, I can't wait to lay hands on that handkerchief, man. I pray that whoever takes a hold of that, that the very, vir- my God, that the very virtue of heaven would touch that person and life would come into an impossible situation. And we're going to testify to the greatness of God. The Bible says the anointing abides in you. Tonight I want to share just a few thoughts on the anointing. If you have your Bibles, turn to another passage, Luke chapter 4. And this is well trodden. I'm not trying to show you something new. I just want to bring an ancient truth and stir it up on the inside of your heart. And this is Jesus preaching out of the book of Isaiah in the book of Luke chapter 4. And the 18th verse, he says this. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has... Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty all those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because for this cause, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to do something even greater than yourself. Do you realize the anointing of God is not for some and not others? The word has come to the church that the anointing abides in you. You're anointed. I mean, you can sit there today and go, you know what, I'm anointed. Yes, you are. It's not some arrogant claim. It is the truth. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in you. You're anointed by the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. And, and, uh, and, and we look here, we, we, I shared around this weekend a little bit out of the book of Acts chapter 10. I talked about the scripture where it says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed by the devil. I want to talk about that for a minute because Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. When Jesus entered his earthly ministry, let me tell you, when Jesus was 10, and I want you to get this, Jesus was the Son of God. Can you say amen? When he was 10, when he was born, he was the Son of God in Bethlehem. He was the Son of God the whole time. But what you have to understand is he wasn't walking on water when he was 10. He wasn't healing blind people when he was 10. When he was 15, we don't hear of the miracles of Jesus. Yes, we knew he went to synagogue and taught the word, but he wasn't moving in power. He wasn't moving in wonder, signs and wonders, miracles. They weren't happening. The Bible says that when Jesus came on the scene, he got baptized. And as that moment happened, the Bible says the heavens opened. The Bible says a dove came down. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. The Holy Spirit himself touched him. And that's when Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God. And it was at that moment... Although he was always the son of God, it was at that moment he entered his earthly ministry. Now, I want to say this. It was at that moment the heavens opened, and there is nothing in your Bible that will tell you that the heavens have been closed. The anointing abides in you. You don't need to pray for an open heaven. You just need to open your spirit to the open heavens of God. Can I, are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes we're praying for things that were one and done 2,000 years ago. They were done by Jesus, purchased by the blood of Jesus, given to us by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we don't, we've got to stop asking for things He's already given us and start walking. I mean, if, if somebody gives you a car, you don't need to keep asking for a car. You just need to get the key, open the door, turn the motor on, and get going and do what you were called to do. And the truth is the anointing of God abides in you. And the anointing of God was on Jesus. For Jesus to do the things he did. The Bible says that he came, and we hear this word incarnation. 
which means that he was fully God and fully man. So Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was fully God and he was fully man. In other words, he possessed all the attributes of God, but he came as a man. And so what he did, the Bible says that he laid aside those benefits of deity, of being God. He laid them aside and he functioned and lived as an earthly man on this planet. So the things that Jesus did, he did because the Holy Spirit was upon him. And we can do the same things Jesus did because the Holy Spirit can come upon us and we can be anointed. You can be anointed. Do you know, I have a, I have a kitchen in my house. <laughs> True story. I know that comes a great surprise. And in my kitchen, I've got cupboards past Dave. And in, that, in those cupboards, we've got a whole bunch of different glasses. We've got little tumblers. We've got the glasses we have when it's just us at home and they're just our, you know, Ikea glasses. Then we have our fancy glasses in case the in-laws come over. Once a year, and uh, and you know what? I, I I never open the cupboard, and I have the glasses go, drink from me. Please use me. Firstly, if that happened, I'd sell the glass on eBay because I could make a cool fortune from a talking glass. But when I open the cupboard, I pick the glass that I want to use. All I need from my glasses is two things: just be clean. And be available. And you know, all you need to do, if you want to flow in the anointing, don't demand, use me, God. Just be available. Be clean. Show up to church. Serve God. And you watch what the anointing can flick in your life and something might happen. For the kingdom of God. But the Bible says the anointing abides in you. And I want to have a look at this for a minute. If we can do this quickly, I want to give you five truths about this, six truths about the anointing. And then I'm just going to wrap it up with a couple of little thoughts. And then we're going to pray for people. We're going to believe God for something to happen. But I believe signs and wonders follow the preaching of the word. And I want to build your faith. Because sometimes things like the anointing and, and the presence of God, I know that you can feel that in this church. So you know that the Spirit of God is part of the DNA of this church. But sometimes it's just good for someone to remind us that there are some truths about the anointing that we need to know and just keep them working our life. It's an old school word, but it's a present day reality. The anointing of God. The first thing I want you to know about the anointing, number one, you can write this down. Number one, the anointing is the power of God. Somebody say the anointing is the power of God. And I'm not going to be as meticulous as we go through because I'm not that meticulous. To be honest with you, I don't really know what meticulous means. But if you can write this definition of the anointing down, you can tweet it, you, can, you can't Instagram it, but you can Facebook it. Or if you've still got a Pentium 4, you can MySpace it. You're really old, ICQ, I don't know. This is my definition of the anointing. From all of my study and understanding, this is the best I can come up with, but I think it's about right. The anointing is God coming upon flesh, empowering Him to do that which only God can do. The anointing is God coming upon flesh, empowering Him to do that which only God can do. There's a lot that you can do, but when the anointing of God's upon you, there's things you could never have done before because His Spirit comes upon you. I had lunch with Pastor Tim and Pastor Robin today, and I was thinking, they they asked me, what was the worst meeting you've ever preached? And I began to reminisce, and, and I began to remember, I don't know if anyone's familiar with the Assemblies of God, of which I'm a card-carrying minister, by the way, and... Uh, 
AOG. It stands for Australian Oil and Gas. And so, uh, so, so one of our finest ministries, Pastor Dave, is a ministry that you might be familiar with. It's called Royal Rangers. Now, what the Royal Rangers is, it's like Boy Scouts with no budget. And basically, you get your mother to make khakis, and you come and you stand at attention, and you do activities basically involving a piece of string, because it's all we can afford. (laughs) And every year, they have a camp. And basically, Royal Rangers is the ministry that exists for the kids that probably aren't cool enough to go to youth, you know? So so it's a different... (laughs) I say that in love. I say that in love. They're a different... No, they're cool. It's actually pretty cool. (laughs) So I did a Royal Rangers camp in a place called Esk. Esk in Queensland. Esk is one of those towns that's so small it says, hello, welcome to Esk, goodbye, thanks for coming, all on the same side of the sign. (laughs) So I'm preaching in Esk in this outdoor amphitheatre. There's probably about 300 young people. This is years ago. And as I was preaching, there was a young kid by the name of Ashley. And Ashley was in that meeting. And for some reason, whenever I preached, he would sit there. And if I made eye contact during my message, he would do this. It was the weirdest thing. And I'm almost embarrassed doing it here because you're so classy and not crazy. And so, but he would do this. He'd just go... And so I'd be preaching, and I'd be trying to just do the ministry, and I'd be looking around, God loves your friends, he's got a plan for your life, and whenever I'd catch his eye, he'd just go, (laughs) and you might think, that's not that distracting, it messed with my mind, and so the next service, the next service, he'd just plonk himself in a different spot, so I'd start preaching, thinking, oh, maybe he's gone home, I'd look, God has a plan for your life, and there he is, and my eyes would meet his eyes, and there'd be a moment, you'd see the devil on the inside of him, begin to try and distract me, and he'd just go like this. (laughs) so I thought I've got a plan so the next night I get to the last meeting and he is right there smack bang in the front of this tiered amphitheater right there so I'm preaching like this God has a plan for your life I'm telling you he's going to do something (laughs) I remember that night I'm preaching I got through it and then I had a moment of lapse where I forgot and I started preaching God has a plan for your life he wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost and he's there he's been waiting all afternoon to just distract me and he knew it was annoying me it was annoying me like you couldn't believe I was praying Father would you I won't tell you what I was praying but it wasn't good and so I said so I'm there I'm getting ready so I'm saying you might not know Jesus tonight friend he loves you well heads are bowed and eyes are closed and music playing and just we're going I look up he's there my eyes met his eyes, and he's looking at me like, yeah, you made a mistake, didn't you? He goes, <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Was it a demon? Was it, what was it? I don't know what it was. But you know, that, the kid, I watched him during that camp, had no one to talk to, no one to hang out with. I know. <laughs> Which, if you've got no friends at a ranger's camp, that is saying something. <laughs> that is an issue. And so, so I said, so, so we came to the altar call time and I said, if you need God to touch it, just come. All the kids came out and I saw him sort of edge, edge forward just a little bit. So I went over to him and I went and prayed for him. I remember the minute I put my hand on his head, this kid just breaks down and begins to sob, just crying. And I felt like saying, Father, would you, <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't, because that wouldn't have been right. I apologize. <laughs> I put my hand on his chest. I put my hand on his back. I said, Father, would you touch him? This kid just began to cry. I just remember he grabbed me and he started to hug me and he just wouldn't let me go. 
And I knew that God wanted to do something in this kid. And then God spoke to me and said, you, you know that kid that's been annoying you the whole time? Here's the reason you did this camp. And so this is what I found out afterwards. This young man had become a ward of the state. His family didn't want him. He'd been trouble after trouble after trouble. He got touched. He got delivered. 13-year-old kid got delivered by the grace of God. So big was the change in him that when the church went back, the group from that church went back to their town in Queensland, something happened so great that the youth began to grow because they couldn't believe the miracle that happened in that young boy. Can I tell you... Can I tell you why that happens? Because the anointing abides in you. And the anointing is the power of God to shift something in a moment of time. Number two, the anointing is tangible. Somebody say tangible. Tangible is one of those words that we say in church. We really don't know what it means. I don't know if any leader or pastor here has got up and said, oh, the anointing's tangible here tonight. And then you're like, I had a friend who was just in Bible school. He gets up one day and is preaching at one... Basically, when you're in Bible college in Australia, you have to go and preach in these tiny little churches and then get evaluated by the pastor on your preaching. And so my friend goes and delivers this message on prayer and supplication. So he gets up and says, Church, what we need to do is we need to be people of prayer and supplication. And then someone at the back puts his hand up and says, Excuse me? And my friend says, Yes. He says, What supplication? My friend stops for a minute and he says... To be honest with you, mate, I've got uh, no idea. No idea. And tangible was one of those words. I heard my dad say, man, the anointing's tangible. So I started saying it. I've had meetings, the anointing's tangible. I never knew what the word tangible meant, but man, it fit that sentence. So I looked up the word, and the word tangible means something that is perceptible by touch or sense. Have you ever worshipped God? And I know it seems elementary, but you feel every hair on your body stand up. You feel goosebumps. Maybe you feel they're bigger than goosebumps, like pelicans or albatross or pterodactyl. (laughs) And you know that as you're worshipping God, you, you sense that presence. It's like you can touch it, you can feel it. The anointing's not just a... ideology, the anointing's a real thing. That's why when we lay hands on that cloth in just a moment, something's going to touch that because the anointing's not just an ideology. The anointing is the power of God that can get on stuff. Man, if the anointing can get on the coat that Jesus wore when the woman with the issue of blood touched that coat, she touched the hem of a garment. And and as she touched him, he stopped. He said, virtue's gone out of my body. And they said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. How did you notice this? And he said, somebody touched me in faith. And can I tell you something? She didn't even touch Jesus. She touched what was touching him. She touched what was on him in the natural, but what was on him in the supernatural touched her. That's the power of the anointing. The anointing of God is tangible. Somebody say tangible. Number three, the anointing destroys bondages. Now, that's not profound, really. I mean, you've heard that before, but I want to clarify this because it's so important because people say the yoke will be broken because of the anointing. Isaiah, uh, you don't need to turn there. In the book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27, it says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, I'll tell you what a yoke is real quick. If you have two oxen plowing a field in the Bible days, they would have a wooden bracket that connects both of them together and it straps it to the, to the ox to pull the plow. That thing's called a yoke. And basically, if one ox was strong and the other was weak, the weak one would slow the ox down. It was almost like this ox was yoked to something that was hindering its progress. 
And some of us get yoked to bondage. We get yoked to the stuff of this world. We get yoked to sickness. We get yoked to problems. We get yoked to disappointments. And the Bible says the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. But what you've got to understand, that word destroyed is not the word broken. I hear too many people get up and say, the yoke will be broken because of the anointing. It won't be broken. You break my leg, you can fix my leg. If, the, if something's destroyed, if something's obliterated, if something is so destructive and, and, bro, and, and, and messed up that it's beyond repair, that thing can't be fixed. The word destroy implies that it can't be fixed. That yoke can't be reattached. That yoke can't be put back on you because that yoke, it's not broken. It's gone. Merry Christmas. Yoke's destroyed. Somebody say the yoke's destroyed. destroyed. Number four, there's different kinds of anointings. Luke, we just talked about that. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. There's an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for your family. There's an anointing to be a good husband. There's an anointing to be a good dad. The anointing of God is just God's presence, God's power, God's equipment to help you do the assignment that He's called you to do. I feel in this room tonight, there's a healing anointing beginning to flow. It's a special anointing that God can just bring in. And maybe in, in a regular service, it seems like there's a healing anointing coming on this church. Pastor Dave's been telling me and, and people are getting touched and people are getting changed and things are going to happen. But I want you to lift your faith because when your faith comes in contact with this thing, something's going to happen. And, and I guess that leads me to my next thought. And that's number five. The anointing can be imparted. Imparted. Impartation. And what impartation is, is simply this. There's anointing and then there's faith. And when faith comes in contact with the anointing, it equals impartation. Your faith coming in contact with the person laying hands on you. The person laying hands on you has an anointing. Jesus even commanded us. He said, go and lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, he says to the church in the book of James, he says, he says call the elders of the church. If, you, if there's any sick among you, call the elders of the church. You know, it's amazing the number of people that will leave a church because they get sick and the pastor didn't call them. Yeah, the Bible says you ought to call the leader. You ought to call the pastor or the team. Why? Because by very virtue of the fact that you pick up that phone, you're saying, I recognize where my help comes from. It comes from the Lord. And I know who the messenger of that power is. It's somebody anointed. If you're sick, man, get down to the altar and say to a pastor or a leader or someone next to you, who can I get to pray for me? Don't get mad that they don't call you. That is one thing that you're commanded to do is call the church because the church has some power that together, when you and I come together, there's a thing called a corporate anointing. Something's going to happen. Your faith comes in contact with the anointing. <laughs> Something happens. Something takes place. It's called impartation. That's why we believe in the laying on of hands. It's a point of contact. I know this is weird, but I feel led by the Lord. Who is that person that we're going to pray for this, this thing? Who, who's, that, who's that person? Is that person here? Are they in the room? Is that you? Bring me that right now. We're going to do something real quick, and then we're going to finish this message. Stand up for two seconds. We don't need, it. We don't need anything. I just need you to stretch your hands out to this thing. We're going to impart something into this. Is this okay, Pastor Dave? And, and, then, and then we're going to be done. We've we got, we got a bit of oil. We've got a bit of oil from here in this place. I want everyone to stretch your hands out right now. This is a bit old school. The apostle. Paul did this and something happened, man. The Apostle Paul did this. God bless you, sir. Let's just, let's just give it a bit of a dab. Let's just get some stuff on this. What, there's something about oil. It's a type of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk about that in a minute if we get a chance. Who knows what's about to happen here? I don't know if this was a good idea or a bad one, but something's about to break loose in the Spirit. My God! 
Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost, church. You are able. And Father God, let's all just pray in the Spirit right now. Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus. Lord God, that your power would be upon this. And Father, I pray that the person that comes in contact with this, Lord, according to their faith, Father, we believe that this thing is going to carry some virtue, that this thing is going to carry some power. Father, the greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. And Father, we release, we impart the anointing of the Spirit of God right now. In the name of Jesus, let it be done, let it be done, let it be done, let it be done. We call them healed in Jesus' name. Can somebody shout hallelujah in the house? There you go, take that. You might. Man, I feel that, sister. Anyway, sit down for one minute. We're nearly done. We're nearly done. The Bible tells us that the anointing releases joy. Somebody say joy. joy. The anointing of God. You know why there's mischief in this church? Can I tell you, that's actually the joy of the Lord is in the church. We serve the Lord with gladness. A bit of mischief comes because there's anointing and we get along and things happen. The Bible says he'll give you oil of joy for mourning. The anointing's likened to oil. And I want to talk about this and then we'll be done. That's why we're going to anoint you with oil. It's important you understand the power of anointing oil. Oil's a type. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. And there's a few things about oil that we need to understand. And, and, and it's simple. Why oil? I always wondered, why, why oil? And, and you, you start to study what oil can actually do. It makes a lot of sense. The first thing oil can do is it prevents friction. So you put oil in your engine so when the cogs mesh together, they make less noise, they rattle less. They don't damage each other. And it doesn't overheat. Do you know the thing about being in ministry and in church life, we need the anointing. Because we're different cogs in a machine that expands the kingdom of God and takes the gospel to the earth. But if we're not oiled, if we don't have the oil of God working, maybe your personality and mine might struggle, but when the anointing comes together, the cogs just work. Pastors and leaders, you need to make sure you've got some anointing on you. Sometimes when you're finding things hard and it's not fun and it's not happy, maybe, maybe it's not the organization. Maybe you just need some fresh oil. In your engine, so you work together, so it doesn't overheat, and there's not tension, and it just works. I went in here today. We had church, and just in between services, everyone's in there eating breakfast. Pastor Dave's having fun. The team get along. They're laughing, having a good time. There's no pressure. It's not like you walk in here and, oh, man, we're we're driving people. This is just easy. Why? Because there's anointing in this room. There's anointing, And it just works. It, It prevents friction. We work better together. We need it in our homes. We need oil in our marriages. Let me tell you something. I need oil in my marriage. You say, why? Is your wife bad? It ain't my wife. She's perfect, man. To live with me, she's an angel. I'm all right. But you know something? You get oil in your marriage. You get oil in your home. You get oil in your family. It just works. I'm going to go through this so quick. Maybe if I can get a minstrel. A.K.A. keyboard player. If you could play Under the Boardwalk by Bette Midler, that would be fantastic. (laughs) It's one of my favourites. Another thing about anointing oil, I'm nearly done. (laughs) Another thing about oil is oil burns longer. If you get a wick and you set it on fire, it'll, it'll consume, it'll burn up. If you dip that wick in oil, it'll burn 100 times longer. Can I say, we're not in this for a sprint, friend. We're in this for a marathon. We need some anointing. He says, with long life, I'll satisfy you. 
But you know what? We need the oil on us. We need the oil of the Holy Spirit working in our heart and in our life. And another thing oil does, it moisturizes when you're cracked, when you're tired, when you're brittle. It just rubs oil in you. It gives you strength. It gives you, gives you life. And another thing oil does, and I'm, I'm done. Oil enhances flavor. I, I like French fries. I like potatoes. I'll be honest with you, potatoes are fairly boring. I mean, we need potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> On a whole, potatoes, they're okay. But you get that same potato, you cut it up a little bit. You just dip it in some fat. I know, I know it's an ugly word, but you just dip it in some good boiling, oily Fatty. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you just dip that thing, you pull it out, season it a little bit, and then if that's not enough, you get it, get like a little little ramekin or whatever you call it, a little tiny little bowl thing. Put some cheesy kind of fatty kind of. How many people in mouth? You, you you've gone from listening to the message to going like this. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> We're nearly finished. I just want to dip that. You just want to, the fat's not enough. You need more fat. It's like, the fat's good, but just give me some more fat to dip this fatty thing in. <laughs> you know, without oil, you're just an old potato. When oil gets on you, you just taste better. You know, the church tastes a lot better to the world when we got oil flowing. Jesus said, taste and see that the Lord is good. If people tasted you, metaphorically speaking, People tasting you. What are they tasting? Are they tasting just a good old potato? Something, something a little bit. Yeah, something, something, you know. Just a, mm, bless Jesus. See, I like biscuits, but God, I've got to have gravy. You know, I, I, I need, I, it, just, it just works. I mean, in America, you, you're the only country in the world that I know that fries things that are already fried. You've got some food. You've got some eating establishments that, I, that just should not be legal, but they're amazing. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Man, I'm just getting off on a tangent here that's so important. You dip those things. They're fried. They're terrible. They're not even a real chicken. They're probably part of a chicken-like species. It's chemically engineered to have 15 wings. To You get that, you get that thing, and you dip it in this white kind of ranchy kind of thing, and you eat it, and automatically you feel closer to Jesus. <laughs> Why? Because it tastes better. Can I tell you, the oil of God will bring out everything good in you. The anointing of God will bring out the gifts, will bring out the virtues, will bring out the talent, will bring out the presence of God in your life. And in this room, I want to get some oil on people. We're going to, we're going to get some oil on you. And uh, I have a feeling, Pastor Dave, that a lot of people will be responding to this. But, but we, can, can I tell you, the Bible says lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And in this room, there's people tonight that need, you, need, you actually need a physical miracle from God. You need an answer to prayer. We want to pray for you. We want to believe God for the impossible to become possible. Maybe the worship team can come up all together. We're going to believe God that God's going to do something in this room. I'm going to ask everyone to stand across the house tonight. And uh, Lord, we bless your name. We're going to sing, There is a River.
We're going to believe God for something to happen and, and touch hearts and touch lives and, and do something. In just a moment, we're going to open this altar and, and we'll give you some instructions. But across this room, Kim, you know, there's a preacher I love and he said, he, they said, why do you get so many, so many people healed? And he said, we spend about 20 minutes, which we don't need to spend that long. We've already done that. But he says, we spend 20 minutes or so, we sing about Jesus. We get people's eyes on Jesus and then he does the healing. You know, I want us to get our eyes on Him. I want to get our eyes on the one who walked the streets of Galilee, healing all those that were broken and touching lives. Because tonight is a night for a breakthrough. Tonight is a night for a miracle. Tonight is a night for answered prayer. Tonight is a night for hope to get back in people's hearts. Some of you have given up believing it's not going to happen. Don't give up on the brink of a miracle. Tonight may just be your night for something to happen. I'm going to ask, you might be a visitor here and this makes you a bit nervous. And We're going to get people to lift their hands. And You might say, well, I don't want to lift my hands. Can I that you've probably tried so many other things. You should try this. I'm telling you, it works. It'll work. And and so I want to encourage every person to lift up your hands to heaven all across this building. And uh, you say, I I lift my hands when I feel to lift my hands. The only reason I'm asking you to do it is because this creates a corporate anointing where we're all in this together and something happens and we're going to touch Jesus in this place. But can we sing? There is a river. We're going to worship Him for just a minute and God's going to start healing people in this place. Come on, people of God, let's worship Him. Oh God, we worship Your name. There is a river whose streams they make glad. There is a river, there is a river, whose streams they make glad.